I think it's really important to have someone either in that customer advocate, customer experience, even customer marketing role to make sure that their customer voice is being heard outside of just getting those happy quotes or getting them to be a reference. Having that customer voice be heard from an extent of they use the product for the X, Y, and Z and a really cool success story and, and elevating that, or they had a problem how they overcame it and how they became a superstar within their organization. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest, Dana Alvarenga, Director of Customer Experience at Slap5. Today, we're talking all about building customer programs. From a customer advisory board to a voice of customer program, it's critical to work out what programs to prioritize for your business, how to gain internal sponsorship, how to execute, and, of course, following up on the learnings. And now, your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. So, in order to ensure that customer success lives up to its billing to improve customer value, it's absolutely imperative that you've got ongoing customer outreach programs organized. And these programs can take on many formats from formalized education programs, you know, example, teaching your customers how to use your product to promoting maybe on a new release, you've got some really innovative new features. You might have also heard of the phrase voice of the customer. In other words, how really well do you know? How can you measure? How do you follow up on how your customers perceive you? And I mean that both in terms of your solution, but also the service that you offer as well. And when many organizations hear voice of the customer, many minds immediately leap to things like net promoter score and the famous would you recommend question. For others, it would be measured using other techniques such as win-loss interviewing or customer advisory boards and so on and so forth. So, to discuss different types of customer outreach programs and help you decide what one might be right for you in your business. I'm delighted to say that joining me today is Dana Alvarenga, Director of Customer Experience at Slap5. Dana, a very, very warm welcome to you. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, no, it's my pleasure. So before we dive in too much, tell us a little bit about your role and your background and the company that you work for. Sure. Yes. So I've really been a pioneer throughout my career and joined a lot of different companies, either building a process, building a region within sales, building a team, a program, a role. So that's really my niche and in, in what I'm comfortable in. And joining Slap5, it's a small startup. We're a, a customer marketing platform. And I was brought on to create really the customer voice coach, customer success, customer experience, really segment of the company and handle everything uh, post-sales. So I have customer program that I'm building at Slap5 that I'm able to really use that as an example to coach my customers on, on best practices and on how to create their own. So it's a pretty unique situation. I'm not only building it internally, but I'm coaching it externally as well. 
Really interesting. I mean, one of the, at Gainsight, we've always said the definition of customer success is all of the experiences that your customer has, plus the customer outcomes. And so this differentiation between customer experience and customer outcomes, I think I'd love to dig into that a little bit deeper in this pod, but super interesting. So before we dive into the the main thrust of today's discussion, I always like to start off the the pods asking a bit of a fun question, just to learn a bit more about you. So, So here's your questions. Over last weekend, I was watching with my teenagers the film Freaky Friday which is a great movie. We love watching it. It's one of those old classics you can put on on a typical rainy London day. Now, I know in the movie that the main protagonist swapped lives with her with her mum, but I'm not going to ask you if you want to do that. So my question to you is, if you could change lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Um, not to be cliche, but it definitely mm. would be to switch with my daughter because she is just at the age where everything is new. Everything is, she's learning and learning a new word, a new skill every day. She's two and a half. And I think it just would be amazing just to see the world through her eyes. We're going through, one, a global pandemic. So she's not even aware that anything's really different. But so to be able just to kind of be free and feel like everything is uh, normal for a bit through her eyes. And I think that would be really, really exciting. And and she lives the life. I mean, getting pushed in a stroller, getting picked up and carried. I mean, it's, it seems, seems relaxing too, to uh, be a two and a half year old. So that's, uh, that's what, who I would switch with. And I would love for her to see all the work that I do and all the effort that I put into taking care of her through a day. So I think that would be important for her. I can imagine your colleagues, you know, and the first meeting that she organized having coloring in as opposed to going through this agenda. Exactly. Exactly. She always wants wants me to do print out some pictures to color off my computer when she sees me on my computer. <laughs> Very cool. So look, let, let's kind of get into the main discussion. So I mentioned in my intro there, there are many different types of custom out, outreach programs that many people listening might resonate with, whether they're more educational, voice of the customer, advisory board, and so on and so forth. When you think about different types of customer programs, what really resonates with you? What have you found most success with? And does it differ as, you know, from, from one company to the next? Yeah, definitely. Well, I've, I've built, like I mentioned at the beginning, I've built many programs. I mean, some that have failed and some that have been really successful and are still successful after I've left those organizations. So with that, I, I think it really depends on the framework of how they're built out. The ones that were successful, like a customer education program, a customer training program that I've created, built a 101, 201, 301 level of training for a software product. It started with one of the kind of tricky products at the organization. And then every product manager grasped onto it afterwards and wanted a piece of it because they saw the engagement that customers had. And it really opened their eyes to where the pitfalls, where customers were really kind of hitting a wall with with the product. It was mainly getting started. None of this was advanced. So I think a, a level of customer education helps with onboarding greatly. Mm-hmm. Having the uh, customer advisory board, that's, that's my failed program uh, that didn't have the support from upper management and the executive suite that, that it needed. And it had a handful of key people. So it was mm-hmm. great, but they were the customers that already were talking with us. So it wasn't anything new or surprising. Just to interrupt quickly, I mean, obviously you mentioned with your training program, the 101, the 102, the 103, it had a very obvious goal, which was to get your customers using certain parts of your product, either from the basic to the more advanced. But with the advisory board, what was the end goal there? Was it to kind of help make sure that your future roadmap was more in line with customer needs or, or something different? What was the main goal there? 
It was. It was a strategic approach because they had the connection through the training courses to the users. So they wanted to get on a strategic level to really understand kind of where the organizations of the customers were going and where they wanted to see the product going. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't uh, able to, it, it wasn't able to reach that because the, the product managers are really reactive versus proactive mm-hmm. with how they were communicating to their customer base. Got it. And, and so you mentioned kind of training, advisory boards, any others that you come to mind? And yeah, I mean, in, in what I'm in the process of building is a customer voice program. So that's ah. where really a, a two-way exchange of value for really, it's a new way of, of thinking for me and a new, new way of thinking in, in the place of marketing of giving to getting. So mm. um, building out in, in creating a customer voice program that's advocacy. So I'm creating our advocates. I'm creating our fans. Mine are actually called the Slap Five Rock Stars. So I'm making them <laughs> rock stars within their organization. So it's not all about me and them saying how much they love my product and my company. It's how they are elevating their own success within their organization. So it's really highlighting that. I love it. I mean, I think advocacy is one of the the best metrics when it comes to looking at is your customer success function delivering. Ultimately, there are always going to be key metrics that are used, you know, churn, gross or net retention, usage, and so on and so forth. But the ultimate outcome should be of, of what you're delivering is to have every customer be an, be an advocate, both of your product and the service. So how are you going by identifying potential advocates for your program? Because the last thing you want to do is maybe reach out to a customer who's super dissatisfied and say, hey, we'd love you to join our advocacy program. So how do you even identify potential slap five rock stars to join? So it's something actually that we do in the beginning onboarding process as an added value as being a customer. Mm -hmm. So within my onboarding welcome, it's reaching out to set up their uh, customer workshop, which we conduct with them to understand their goals and their onboarding training, and then inviting them to our webinar training classes, which I carried over from my previous role, created that here as well. And then letting them know that they will get an invite to our Slot 5 Rockstar program. And within there, there's different levels of participation that they can choose. They could just not reply and, and say, I'm not really interested. I don't have the time right now where they can reply back that they are interested in one through six. They're labeled out from either being a recorded reference, being a rest for a customer, networking with their peers. So they're able to share what level versus it's an all in. You have to be a part of all of this. I let my customers choose what level they'd like to um, be a part of, either really active or just minimally active. Really interesting. So a lot of people listening to this who maybe come from a customer success background and have a customer success specific role, not all of them might have a dedicated CX individual or team member working alongside them. I mentioned earlier that how Gainsight see it is customer success is made up is the is a sum of the experiences that your customers have and all of the outcomes that they receive. But how important do you think it is to have a designated person in that customer experience role? And, and what do you think the key benefits are? Clearly, one is you know, someone like yourself who can identify and, and execute the campaigns themselves. But outside of that, why would you always advocate for having someone in that CX role? That's a really good point. So I, I think it's super important because... One, I mean, with customer success, it it could vary. The Mm. customer success role is either really focused on the renewal and they are revenue-driven 
or they are pure customer success driven where they're looking to make sure the customer is one becoming an advocate they're they're happy they're using the tool they're looking for expansion so i think it's truly really important to have someone either in that customer advocate customer experience even customer marketing role to make sure that their customer voice is being heard Mm. outside of just getting those happy quotes or getting them to be a reference. Having that customer voice be heard from an extent of they use the product for the X, Y, and Z and a really cool success story and and elevating that, or they had a problem how they overcame it and Mm. how they became a superstar within their organization. So really just having that recognition of those customers and It makes it a lot easier when there's webinars or there's events in today's world, virtual events, Mm. and the executive team's asking for a customer. If there's no one in that kind of customer-owning role, it's really hard to get a customer to raise their hand to join a webinar or to be a part of a speaking event. But if you built those relationships, there are people crawling at the door to knocking down your door to, yeah. to speak at events for you because they know the recognition that they'll get as being a part of that community. Yeah, I completely concur with that. We can't just, I mean, even though when we think about customer success, it's, as you say, we can focus on the, these key deliverables. But unless you've got someone in a dedicated role really thinking about the experience that you have throughout your customer journey with the organization, you know, and all the multiple touch points that exist, that can be a huge danger point if you don't have someone in that role focusing on those points. If I think about customer programs, there's probably three distinct stages that I, I think of. The first one is work out what you need. You know, is it an advocacy program? Is it a voice of the customer program? Or whatever it may be. So work out what you need and most importantly, gain internal sponsorship because the last thing you want to be is a, a kind of lone wolf in your business. And you mentioned earlier that one of the reasons your advisory board may have failed in the past is that maybe it didn't have the internal sponsorship that it needed. So the first one is work out what you need and make sure you've got all of your stakeholders inside your business aligned. And then the second point is executing it. And the third one is closing the loop. So it's, it's great that you're reaching out to customers and trying to engage with them in, in various different ways. But unless you've got a way to follow up on those learnings, and really it's, it's by the by, right? So you need a way of being able to get the gist of what everyone's saying and then you know, maybe even change the way that you work as a business as a result, or at least be prepared to think about that. Is that how you think about it, Dana, or is it is it slightly different? Or I'd love to get your perspective on that model. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, how I modeled it out was in three sections. I, I called it my three-phased approach. And it, mm. it really was that beginning phase of planning, really figuring out the program name, the criteria, what customers could elect to be a part of it, and kind of all of the logistics on the back end of it and speaking with the executive team, pulling them on, on feedback. And then the middle, the, the strongest that you keep going back to the second phase, even after you've completed one, two, and three, Mm. it's the executing because things are changing. Your customer base is changing, products changing, the kind of role of of how your your product is supporting your customers can be changing. So yes, you're always inviting customers in. You might be inviting them in to do additional things. So executing and then kind of the, the third phase of managing it, just always managing, always having a new idea. I rolled out a recognition program of a trophy and our rock star award went to one of our really top rock stars and 
sent her a trophy to her office that she received and just having her take a photo with it and sharing the stories and building a community with the customers. So they, they don't always want to hear from me. They want to hear from each other. So building and, and strengthening that community and making sure that I'm continuing to have and managing that community feel so my customers are able to interact with each other in different things, not just on a webinar, not just a meetup, but sharing uh, a story of them on social or get connected via email saying, hey, this customer is doing X, Y, and Z. Maybe you'd want to speak with them about it. So just always kind of managing the community and the relationship of the program to make sure that it, it's full of life always. Mm. I mean, these types of programs that we're talking about are really important and they're great to do. But I also think it's really important that it's not just about you know having customers that enjoy participating in these programs, but also, and particularly as you think about needing to gain internal sponsorship from a CEO or COO or, or substitute in with whatever C-level member that you you engage with, I think it's important to also understand how these programs impact the, the metrics that your organization cares about. So if you're working on a program, how does that impact churn? How does that impact gross or net retention? How does that impact NPS? So there's no right or wrong metric that you might want to focus on, but would you agree that it's important not only to have these great outcomes, but also how they tie into core metrics that the whole business cares about? Hundred percent, and and yes, tying the engagement of of the members through this really kind of that two way exchange of value is is really key. And how I'm doing is I, I'm I'm looking at the engagement of mm-hmm. of my members and, and tying it back to an engagement score. So I'm weighting the scores of what they are participating in. If it's they've joined a webinar, kind of a lower weighted score. That's great mm-hmm. that they're joining it versus being a reference for a customer. It's a little bit higher weighted as it's kind of elevating themselves and sharing their story, mm-hmm. um, speaking at an event, for example. So I track and use that actually, track it within our software. And when I'm doing an executive business review, I go back and look at that customer, look at their engagement score, how engaged are they, what, what type of engagements are they doing with us to be able to use that as one, to shine them as a rock star with their executive team on our executive business review. But also if, if they're low engaged to make sure as I'm prepping for this ex- executive business review to make sure that they are seeing where the gaps are and where I, we're really recommending as a be- best practice for them to be more engaged in. Mm-hmm. So it, it can go both ways, making them kind of be that shining star and when that happens and you show the results and the positive things that they've done, it really helps solidify a renewal, especially after an executive business review. It, it always helps when you can show the metrics and the stats that they have done. Or if, if they are not engaged, really kick them into gear to help get them into that green zone for, mm. uh, for renewal. So have you seen a correlation between contacts who have got a high engagement score and their propensity to renew or even procure additional services? Is there a defined link between the two? Yes. And I just started probably in, I want to say December or January, with really tracking the engagement score to a T to every engagement. So I don't have any CRM. I don't, I don't use Salesforce or anything. So I'm tracking everything from they joined a socialization call with their team members or they did a workshop with me. So I'm tracking really every little thing that they're doing because I'm both dual customer experience and customer success managing their renewal. So mm. it has made a huge difference in people who are not engaged or who are not part of this uh, part of my program, the Rockstar program, are 
my my coloring of red, yellow, and green, they're in the red uh, of of a small chance of renewal at risk. Yeah, I mean at Gainsight, one thing we we do a lot of is helping our customers create meaningful. Um, health scores or scorecards, whatever you, you, whatever term you'd like to use. And engagement is such an important part of that. Not only, you know, what part of advocacy programs, but how often uh, do you have stakeholder alignment set up? So do you have the right people speaking to the right people? How often are you meeting them? What type of engagements? And, you know, what's the quality and outcome of those engagements as well? And it plays a really important part of, of even, I would say, when we, we, we talk of uh, building a, a scorecard in a crawl walk run methodology and having engagement should even form part of the crawl methodology i think it's a really really important part so let's say someone's listening to this and they've just joined a a startup and even you know they've just joined as a a head of cx or a cx role in a in a larger business and they've been given a a blank piece of paper and saying look we we don't traditionally we aside from maybe nps or surveying at different parts on on the customer journey but we really believe in this and we want to make sure we've got we understand how our customers perceive us where should someone start if they've got just a blank canvas, how would they even figure out what to do and, and which ones they might want to focus on first? What, what, what would your advice or recommendations be? Definitely a good question. So what I would recommend is really going back to, and this is with every program that I've created, not just a customer program, but building a customer education and customer training, go back and see what content exists today. So really kind of mining for gold in, in what content you have today and seeing if there are any case studies or existing webinars that there already is some really great content and be able to repurpose that as one mm-hmm. and then use those as your quote unquote friendlies. Those are your customers that have already engaged. If they're still live customers, re-engage with them and see what more are they willing to share and what more are they willing to be a part of and pull them. Ask what are they looking to get out of a partnership as being a customer with you. And nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, customers are looking for that community feel of being part of a program where they are getting information, hearing about product roadmaps, hearing information about product releases, but also sharing their experiences and learning from their peers. People want to learn. And especially in today's world of everyone being virtual, just being able to understand how people are adjusting and pivoting has been even more important out there with customers. So see what you have, take inventory on existing content, use that, repurpose that existing content, and tap into those customers to see what what additionally they would look for in a program and build from there. I think that's great advice. And I think the one thing I would add is as you start getting some tangible results from your program, make sure you publicize those internally to gain support. So as you then think about expanding out your role and other types of programs, I think it's important to show the difference that you've made already and those incremental gains. Would you go along with that as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Sharing small successes, big successes. When I start with a new customer, with building a customer voice program with them, we look within the first two weeks to have a, a small win for them to share with their customer base. And I, I do that the same with, with when I have a new customer come on board. I want a small win that they're able to uh, share back to the, to their internal team. And yeah, do if it's weekly or bi-weekly customer wrap-ups of what's happening in the world of customers, share it in Slack, whatever it is, share, share it yeah. with everyone because you need to be that voice for your customer, not only externally, but internally too. 
Fantastic. Well, what a great way to wrap up. Dana, thank you so much. It's been super valuable. I, I love talking about customer experience and different types of customer programs. You know, a lot of these pods have focused more on the CS side. So I think focusing on CX in this one has, has been great. Really appreciate your time and thank you for all of your great insights. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.